He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. I don't know about you. But I'm excited to be in his presence. And I believe that there's nothing in life that is eternal except the things of God. Amen. Once again, I want to thank God Almighty for making it possible and giving me this great opportunity to be here to share God's word with you. I am excited about the Word of God because I am a witness to how transforming it can be. We shared on quiet time and I want to continue. I want to speak and continue to speak about the powerful effects of quiet time. And then I'm going to do a practical, if you like, a little workshop with you on how to have an effective quiet time. I was saying that the quiet time has various effects on us. And um, the last thing we talked about was that it leads to the cutting away of unwanted aspects of our lives and character. Now I want to say that a regular quiet time puts a weapon in the hand of a believer. A regular quiet time puts a weapon in the hand of a believer. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. He didn't say somebody should... Push the weapon into your hands. He didn't say somebody should force the weapon down your throat. It said you take the weapon. And amongst the many weapons, it talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you have a weapon, it means that you are ready to fight. And when you have a weapon, it means that you are not unarmed. When people attack you and you are unarmed, usually they will be able to overcome you because you are unarmed. But when you are armed, then it means that you have been equipped to fight. And God equips us to fight by giving us the sword of the Spirit. Some of you, your sword is insults. Some of you, your sword is terrible words. Some of you, your sword is malicious gossip. But the Bible says that the sword of the believer is the word of God. Amen, somebody. Now, before you get to the verse 17, the Bible talks about the armor of God. Ephesians 6.10 says that, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the armor of God. Now, when the Bible says, take the armor, it means you are going to be engaged in a battle. But in the realm of the spirit, some of you are wearing tennis skirts. Some of you are wearing golf shorts. Some of you are wearing 
party frocks. Anything, some of you are wearing bikinis. But you are not wearing the armor of God. The armor is something you wear, but you are not wearing that. You are wearing bikini, which shows me that you are just having fun. You are just blowing time. You are wearing a party frock, which shows me that you feel that life is just a party. You are wearing uh, your PE uniform or your sports outfit, which shows me that you feel that you are just going to the games field. It is only when you wear a weapon, the armor of God, that I can see that you are a serious believer who wants to overcome the devil, like our sister was attacked, and who is serious about life. When Satan comes knocking on your door, it's not the number of degrees you have that will deliver you. When Satan comes knocking on your door in life, it is not how beautiful you are that is going to help you to overcome. When Satan comes knocking at your door, it's not how handsome that boy is that is going to help you, but it is whether you have the sword of the Spirit. Every aspect of the weapon is a defensive weapon in Ephesians 6. The only offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So having a regular personal quiet time allows you to have a sword in your hand. And if Jesus was tempted, you too will be tempted. Everybody will go through temptation one point or the other. It's not the temptation, but it's whether you yield. That is what makes the difference. Amen? And if Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted, then you and I, who are saved only by grace, and who are flesh and blood, why should we not expect to be tempted? And when Jesus was tempted, he didn't quote Akiola, he didn't quote social science, He didn't quote mathematics. He didn't quote from the Cove series. No. He quoted from the Bible. Amen. He said, it is written. One of the things Satan said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Satan will not tempt you with something that is not enticing. When somebody is hungry, you don't come and say, After a 40 day fast you are hungry. If you are the son of God, command these things to become a pair of shoes. A pair of shoes is not what you need at the time you are hungry. So he came to Jesus and said, If, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. The very thing you need. The very thing your flesh is crying for. The very thing that you are at the height of temptation for. That is what he brings. And when he came to say that, what did Jesus do? He took out the sword of the Spirit from his sheath. And he said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Most of us Christians today would have said, Really? If I am a child of God, I should command these stones to become bread Oh, God really answers prayer. How did he know my need? He looked beyond my, my, my weakness and he saw my need. Oh, this must be God. Oh, this is a prophetic word. Oh, I mean, God will not let you go hungry. God will by all means like to satisfy your hunger. But what, where, what is the source of the satisfaction? Where is it coming from? It's something that you should also look at. God may be answering your prayer, but through who? You see? One day I went to a church in London and a lady came to give a testimony. And she said, I was very broke. And I was working in a laundry. And I was asking God to bless me. And on that Friday morning, when I went to work, somebody brought his laundry. And beloved, believe it or not, there was a word of 50 pound notes. Oh, what a prayer answering God. Hallelujah to the Lord who answers prayer. And that is how most of us believers are. But when you have a personal quiet time and you meditate on God's word, it will help you to have a sword in your hand. You can't just be having discussions with Satan. 
You can't just be having bring your mind with Satan. You can't just be having democracy with Satan. Oh, uh, so what do you think? Okay, let's cast a vote. There's nothing like that. When you meet Satan, you take your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you say, Satan, I recognize you. You know, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. When Satan tells you, you will fail. You won't do well in life. Things will not work out. You too, you don't have any word of God in you. The only thing you have in you is banku, okra stew, fish, pepper, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iMessage. These are the things that you have in you. Jokes that don't take you anywhere. Gossip that doesn't help you. In your neighborhood, you know about everybody. Who the person's grandfather is, grandmother is, where the person has come from. You know it all. But none of those things are powerful. It is the word of God that is powerful. Hallelujah. By the grace of God, I've been to school quite a bit. And I can tell you, when you grow up and you become... A grown up. You see, when I was a student, I couldn't wait to finish school. How many of you feel that way? The whole school. And we had the O level and A level system. So when I finished O level, that five years of secondary schooling, I said, you know, why do people go to school for so long? I would like to stop at 18. And I would like to go to secretarial school. And I could see myself. I said, oh, when I start working and earning my own money, number one, they will not cook anything in the house and say that whatever they put before you, you must eat. You know? I can decide what I want to eat. And then I was seeing pictures of my, my cute self standing by the road with my handbag. And then somebody would say, lady, where are you going? I'm going to ministry. You know? And then I went type the now when I look back the dream was too small do you understand but I went to my dad and I said daddy I don't see why people go to school for too long I just I've looked and I've seen that if you want to become a secretary and there's nothing wrong with becoming a secretary but I thought I've looked it up and if you want to become a secretary it takes 18 months if you want to become a lawyer it takes 5 years Plus one more year of pupillage, six years. So when I look at 18 months and six years, I say, oh, this is the shorter route. So daddy, I would like to go to secretarial school. My father said, you said it takes only 18 months. Now by the grace of God, you have made the relevant grade. Why don't you continue with your education? And the way you finished with what you are good at, then you can do 18 months and finish and become that secretary that you want to become. So I said, okay, we have a deal. I was in a hurry. After A-level, I came again. I said, Daddy, I have modified my thing a bit. I want to be a secretary, but a bilingual secretary. Or I want to be a translator. I want to fly around the whole world. I want to attend international conferences. And I'll just be interpreting. When they say this, then I'll speak the French. When they say this, then I'll... My father said, excuse me, you have gained admission to the law faculty. You like reading books like this. And you are interested in life. So I think that this is a good place for you to go to. So you remember our deal? Still go to the university and after that, if you want to do the secretarial, you can do it. You know? So I went. And by the grace of God, I discovered that I loved what I did. It wasn't something I didn't like, and then I feel that this, no. I discovered that I loved what I did. You know, because it was reading, and for me, reading is a hobby. So if you give me a book like this, I'm excited. Whereas my husband, who did medicine, he doesn't like a lot of... Doctors read a lot, but not words all the time, you know, and... He used to say that, why is it that your subject, they say, this and this and that, discuss. I don't like that. I like math. When you work it, you get the answer. You are moving. 
And then I said, no, it's richness of thought. Do you understand? You bring this one says this. And then this one says this. And another time this one said this. And therefore I conclude that this is richness of thought. But when you are young, you feel that that's what life is about. Your decisions, how you want to be independent, how you want to do this. It's all well and good. But as I grew up walking with the Lord, I realized that when my children are ill, and my husband is on the crusade grounds, and it's too late to call anybody for any medical help, and I've done all that I know to do, and the temperature is still running, or even when you go to the hospital, and you are given a report that you can't do anything about, I discovered that bringing my law degree did not help. Bringing my wig. You know why the wig is that color and arranged that way? It represents the brain. And that's why they say you are a learned friend. Because the brain, your brain is at a certain level. But when these things have happened, I've brought my wig, my gown, my bib, my law books, my two knownness. It has not helped. But when I have brought the word of God, And I have said that Satan, the Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. Therefore in the name of Jesus, I claim the mercy of God over this life. And I pray the healing power of God. And God has come through for me. That's why I say that it's not your degree. It is important. It's not how even rich you become. It is important. It is not how well to do your background is, but it is whether you know God intimately. That is what makes the difference. These days when I look back, I think that when you are this age, it's a blissful age. Because you don't see any problems. You think you have problems, grow up and see. But the reason why I said all that story was, I was in a hurry to finish. I felt that when I finish, I'll have my own money. When I, and even when I was doing my last law paper, I said, wow, I can't believe it's over. I'm now going to do national service. I will be free from my father's strictness. You know, I'll begin to live. Now if you ask me, how was this when you were a child or a teenager? I would say it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Because as you grow, the Bible says we should put on the armor so that we'll be able to stand in the evil day. The evil day comes to everybody. Whether you like it or not, the evil day comes. And to be able to stand in the evil day, one of the things you need is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here you are. You never memorize any scripture. Here you are. You don't meditate on any word. Here you are. You don't even know the Bible. For you, the Bible is a fetish. You put it under your pillow and you sleep. You feel that the presence of God comes with where the Bible is. No, you are making a mistake. Amen? Some of you, you haven't dusted your Bible even for a long time. But when the issues of life come, sometimes you lose a loved one unexpectedly. Sometimes your future seems to be going a certain way and then it will just go another way. What are you going to do? Some people have no hope, therefore they end up in the mental hospital. Some people don't, nobody plans to have a life of problems. Nobody plans to have a marriage that won't work. Nobody plans to have a husband that will worry them. Nobody plans that. But somehow, sometimes, things don't go your way because there's an evil one also called the devil. Now when everything is destroyed, And you are sitting there. And all that you have is your human wisdom. How do you maneuver? When I have come to the end of myself. And sometimes I don't know what to do. One of my favorite scriptures that the Holy Spirit always brings to me. Is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. When all hell breaks loose. When you have lost a loved one unexpectedly. When the person you have depended on has disappointed you. What are you going to hold on to? You need to bring out the sword of the spirit. You need to bring out Jeremiah 29, 11. You need to say, God says he knows the plans he has for me. I don't know them. And I don't know how they will come to pass. 
But he says that he will bring me to the expected end. Hallelujah. Therefore you need the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. The word of God is not something that is outmoded. The word of God is not something that is not practical. The word of God is what you have to fight the battles of this life. Quiet time also delivers us from delusions and deceptions about who we are. The Bible says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The reason why there are so many of us who are deceived in the church is because we are only hearers. We are used to hearing only sermons. We are used to hearing people preach. We are used to hearing DVDs and CDs. But we ourselves don't know the word. Let alone to come to the place where we become doers of the word. It doesn't exist in our lives. And the Bible says that when you are just hearing, 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 and you never walk in the word, you deceive yourself. Sometimes we think we are deceiving other people. But honestly, we are deceiving ourselves. Amen, somebody. Now, a daily quiet time gives us great spiritual growth because it exposes us all the time to the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, Receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. Amen? No, it says like newborn babies. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's James which says that receive with meekness and grafted word. But in order to grow spiritually, you need to feed on the word of God. You don't need to feed on red red. You don't need to feed on Tom Brown. You don't need to feed on rice and stew. Fried rice. Papaya. KFC. Pizza. You don't need to feed on those things. I've made you homesick, have I? You don't need to feed on those things. But you need to feed on the word of God. It says like as newborn babies. You see, it's not something God is just saying. He doesn't have anything to say. So he's just saying, feed on the word, read the Bible, get to know the scripture. This God, he's boring. This God, he worries us. This God, he... No. Remember that I told you the word of God is a light. This evening I've told you that the word of God is a weapon. And I'm telling you again that the word of God is milk by which you grow. If you had not been given milk as a child, you wouldn't be here today. You would have stunted growth, your development would be retarded, and you will not be the human being that you ought to be. It's the same with the Christian walk. It says desire, desire the sincere milk of the word. When I became a Christian at the beginning, I used to think the Bible was the most boring book I've ever seen. Every time I opened it, I would start to yawn. Ah, ah. Then I would fall asleep. Then I would say, oh, when I read the Bible, I don't understand. When I read the Bible, it's, it's boring. When I read the Bible, it doesn't come to life. But when I got to know Jesus, and I fell in love with him, and I gave my life to him, the Holy Spirit came in a certain measure and a certain way into my life, and the word of God came alive to me. Today, sometimes when I'm having my Bible study, often I'm alone. Even though I'm the wife of the bishop, we will all stand before God as individuals. We will not stand... (laughs) Okay, so Bishop and Mrs. Ward Mills, we have come. <laughs> so Mrs. Ward Mills, how did you lead your life? Oh God, ask my husband. After all, didn't you say that two shall be one? It's not like that. When God came to the Garden of Eden, He spoke to Adam as an individual. He spoke to Eve as an individual. And we must all stand as individuals before the judgment seat of Christ and we must give an account of our lives. So when I'm having my quiet time, it is called quiet time. It's not husband time for me. So I stay in my closet. But sometimes when I read the Bible, 
Let's say I'm sitting down or I just, sometimes I just get blown away. I say, oh, wow. My God. I can't believe what I'm reading. A few days ago, I was reading from the book of Jude. And it was talking about evil spirits and how they work. And he said that some people hold men in admiration. They hold men in admiration so that in the end they may destroy them. I'm like, really? How do the two go together? And I was just blown out. I said, wow. So the Bible was written many years ago, but all the things are relevant. So you too can have an exciting, quiet time in the presence of God. It starts with desiring. Some of you, you desire a boyfriend. So you take steps to get one. Amen? And you say, Oh, Lady Reverend, I have a crush on this person. It's not a crush. It's his last. Amen! Bible says, Put to death the evil desires. So the evil desires would want to come. But the Bible says, Put them to death. Desire is not wrong, but evil desires are wrong. And let me tell you something as girls. Try not to give any boy a scholarship. Okay, try. The Bible says when a man has found a good thing, not the good thing finding the man. Amen. And love must be mutual. Not that you are so in love with the person, he doesn't even look at you. Why? You deserve more than that, sister. Eh? He doesn't look at me. He rather looks at Hilda. He doesn't look at me. I'm very sad about it. Hey, by the grace of God, there are many people in the world. So if he doesn't look at you, somebody else will look at you. Amen. Your reaction shows you what desires. When you desire something, you are interested in it. The Bible says, desire the sincere. We have control over our desires. We can decide what we desire. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? So that you may grow by it. When you are born again, you are a toddler. You are a baby. You need to grow in the things of God. You need to grow in the word. And exceeding on the word, that causes you to grow. Amen. So don't grow in your mind, grow in your body, grow in every area of your life, but you don't grow in your spirit. That is wrong. Tell somebody, desire the sincere milk of the word. I mean that desire that you are having for that boy. Some people are making confessions. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we have to <laughs> we have to come to that place where we desire God's word. It will change our lives. When you have desire it changes you. It makes you gravitate towards that which you desire. It makes you hold in high esteem that which you desire. And so we must learn to desire the sincere milk of the word so that we may grow thereby. Say amen somebody. And finally on this topic, a daily quiet time brings inner healing. A daily quiet time brings inner healing. A daily quiet time brings inner healing. Psalm 107 verse 20. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Amen. He sent forth his word to heal them and to deliver them from all their destructions. A daily quiet time 
will bring you into contact with God's word. Your contact with God's word will bring healing into our lives. And not only healing, it will deliver us from all our distractions. Amen. Healing is not only when you are sick. Many of us have broken lives that only the word of God can heal. Some of us were introduced to certain things as children. And those things became traps and pitfalls. And we don't even know how to get out of them. But the word of God is something that can set us free. When we take the word of God by faith, the Bible said he sends forth his word to heal us and to deliver us from all our distractions. Sometimes we need healing from unforgiveness. We need healing from bitterness. We are so bitter about life. We are so bitter about everything because of certain experiences that we may have had. Some great women of God were molested as children. Some of them were sexually molested. How can they find wholeness? How can they find life again? He sent forth his word to heal them and to deliver them from all their distractions. Many great women of God that, that are in America, like if you talk about Joyce Meyer, she says that her father molested her from the age of five up to the age of 18. <laughs> and her whole life was in, was in shreds. So she married any first man that came along because she was already a broken person. So at age 18, she married anybody who showed up on her doorstep. And when she got married, she thought that she was getting freedom from her father, but she encountered even more problems. But somebody told her about Jesus. And as she continued to walk in the Word, she realized one day that God had sent forth His Word to heal her and had delivered her from all her distractions. And God said to her, I'm also calling you and sending you forth to go and preach the same healing that I've given you. Bring that same healing and hope to many other people. If you talk about Paula White, she was also molested as a, a young child. If you talk about Prophetess Juanita Bynum, she was molested as a young child. What is it that has brought healing? What is it that has brought closure? What is it that has enabled them to move on? It is the word of God. Indeed, he sends forth his word to heal us and to deliver us from all our distractions. If you didn't have the word of God, or if you don't have the word of God, you will destroy yourself. Self-destruction, but you won't know. Because Satan will always couch it in another way. Oh, I'm having fun. Oh, Lady Reverend, being a Christian is boring. Being an unbeliever is exciting. It's not true at all. Being a Christian is very exciting. The music alone, the music that Christians have alone is filled with the Spirit. It charges you. It brings healing because it is based on God's Word. The fellowship of the brethren, the type of family you have when you become a born again Christian. When you tell your friend something, she can pray with you about it. Or when you tell your unbeliever friend, she has nothing but her own ideas to offer to you. But your Christian friend will say, Oh, I read this in the Bible the last time. And it really changed my life. I believe that it can change your life too. If only you would do this and do that, God will come through for you. Somebody's testimony will encourage you. All that comes through God's word to heal us from all our distractions. Amen. And then the word of God reveals things about us. I told you that. It's a fire that burns away things, but it also reveals things about us that we don't know. When you spend time in this closet, it reveals things about you that you don't know. But when I was a child, my Sunday school teacher always told me, God has called you. You are going to be a preacher. God has called you. And he gave me scripts to learn by rote and to preach. And I saw the effect of God's word whenever I preached. He took me to marketplaces. He took me to every single university in Ghana to preach. He took me to secondary schools to preach. 
and he told me that God had called me. I knew that God had called me. But when it came to obeying God, I didn't know what time, when. And at this time I was an adult, I was married, I had children, but I didn't know God's timing. What, what? God has called me, but when does he want me to practically obey that call? I didn't know. So every time I had my quiet time, I will pray about it. Oh God, you have called me. Please show me the right moment when it's time. And then, at a particular time, I felt and sensed that the Holy Spirit was saying, it's time. So I wrote my resignation letter. And um, I gave notice at my workplace, the Attorney General's Department, that I was leaving. And my boss at that time was a lady. So she called me and out of genuine concern, but she said, you are leaving such a noble profession. What are you going to do? And I didn't even say all that I was going to do. I said, oh, madam, I just want to leave this place and focus on my future. And she said, are you going to do that thing that your husband is doing, that thing? You know, I didn't respond. But long and short, I went into full-time ministry and I started working, and I came, just as I was about to start working, I came across a German client who said, you know, I live in Germany, I need a lawyer, you work for me, I'll pay you, and um, you have your own time and you can do what you want. So I agreed to this German. And then as I had resigned and I was coming full time, this temptation had met me. And so when I went into my closet, I would always tell God, God, I love you so much. It's not a force to preach your gospel full time. It's something I want to do. It's something I love to do. I love to preach God's word. I love to see people respond to God's word. I love to see lives transformed. So God, I will obey you. But, you know, being a pastor is a problem, God. When you are a lawyer, you are more respected. When you are a pastor, they say you are a thief. When you are a pastor, they say you take offering to buy the clothes you wear. Lord, you know where I'm coming from. All this in my closet. You know where I'm coming from. You know I don't come from a poor home. You know I've traveled wherever. You know, it's not a problem. But when I come full time, people will now begin to say, Oh, her dress is from the offering. Oh, her scarf is from the offering. Oh, her weave on is from the offering. God, I can't stand it. It's going to be too difficult for me. You know, but if it were just you and I, Lord, it would be easy. But it's the people. The people, Lord, they say so many terrible things. And I just don't know how I'm going to obey you in such an atmosphere. In my closet. And I was crying, oh God, these people. They make life so difficult, but I want to obey you. But God, you know who I am. You know where I'm from. You know, I've never tasted poverty before. I cannot now take a vow of poverty, God. Remember me. And now, as I was in the closet, praying, reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit said to me, You are a very proud person. What a shock. Me? Proud? No, God, no. All my church members know what a humble sofa mommy they have. It cannot be. And God said, you are proud. You are very concerned about your reputation. And then I'm this. And I have this. And I've done this. And my father is this. And my mother is this. The root of all of it is pride. Holy Spirit, I don't agree with you. God said, if you thought you were nothing, we would not even be having this conversation. If you thought we were nothing, you were nothing, you would rather say, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should choose to use me. I am so humbled that of all the people in the world, I'm one of the people you would choose to work with. Hallowed be your name. And I said, Holy Spirit, you are right. I am proud and I don't even know it. 
And the Holy Spirit took me to Philippians chapter 2 from 12 to 13 going. We can't read it now. But he said that about Jesus, that though he had equality with God, he didn't think of it as something to be grasped with. But he humbled himself unto death, even death on the cross. He took upon himself the form of a servant. And God said, I can't use princesses and queens. I use servants. Oh, Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart of pride. That's what made Lucifer fall. Jesus, I don't want to fall. Cleanse me. The word of God will reveal yourself to you and think that you are not happy eh? to accept that you are. The word of God through the spirit of God will confront you as to who you are. Some of you, you are serial fornicators. Serial. You fornicate serially. It's like, to you fornication is like brushing your teeth. It's a daily habit. And the Holy Spirit will be telling you, that's not what you are supposed to use your body for. So, I mean, if you love somebody, you have to show it. If you did this, oh God, I don't have a problem with fornication. It's the boys. It's the boys. It's not me. It's the boys. But the way you learn that the Bible says that, crucify the flesh. It didn't say crucify somebody else's flesh. It said crucify your flesh. So you are in the closet with him. It says crucify your flesh. Hey, what is crucify? It said crucifixion brings blood. Crucifixion brings pain. Crucifixion brings shame. Crucifixion sometimes brings ridicule. Then you begin to understand the word of God. And God then sends his word to deliver you from all your distractions. Because pride will destroy you. But the devil will not let you know that. Therefore he will veil the pride. But the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. And you will see that God has actually sent forth his word to deliver you from all your distractions. Amen somebody. And so we need to take the word of God seriously and we need to allow God to minister to us through his word. Now, there are certain tools that we need to have an effective quiet time. Just like you need tools, a doctor needs tools for surgery, isn't it? A midwife needs tools to deliver the baby. So you also need tools to be able to live the life that God calls you to. Amen, ladies. So we need a Bible. To have an effective quiet time, you need a Bible. Are you surprised that you need a Bible? Yeah, you do. You need a Bible. Some of you, you have Bibles, but it is what was given to you at confirmation. You have never read it before. The Bible is God's book. And then you need a notebook. Remember when Moses went to the mountain in Exodus 34? He says, Heal thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. We need to write down the things God says to us. Then you need a dictionary. Hey, are you surprised? If you want to work with God closely, you have to invest. Anything that you invest small into, you get small yields. If you invest big, you get big yields. So you need a dictionary, like an Oxford or a Webster's dictionary. You will be surprised at how many meanings of words you will know. And then you need a concordance. How many of you know what a concordance is? A concordance is a book. To be concord means agreement. So concordance will show you that this verse is in so many other places. This same verse or this same word is used. You know, like if it's the word love. Some, in some parts of the Bible, it was originally written in Hebrew and in Greek. So in some parts of the Bible, the love they are talking about may be agape. 
if it were in Greek. And other places would be phileo, which is brotherly love. And other places would be eros, which is passionate love. The one that you are allowed to have only for your husband, and not any foolish boy. Amen. So when you read the concordance, you will see the different aspects of love. So you see all the agreement between the word love, but it's used in different ways. So the concordance, a good one is strong concordance. Now, some of you are always investing in what? Phone cards. Huh? Credit. Units. But you must invest in something spiritual as well. And it is available in any good Christian bookshop. So you get a concordance. Then you need a good attitude. Hey. A good attitude. One of my favorite Bibles is the Dick's Bible. Because when you read on the side, sometimes in the middle, depends on how it, you see a lot of notes on the things that they are talking about. So it gives you a clearer understanding about what you are reading. And then you also need a good attitude. Amen? Don't come with your sleepy face, angry, and say, God, too, this quiet time, if I had my way, it would not be like this. What type of wahala is this? No. God doesn't want to give you wahala. He wants to give you illumination for your life. Amen. And also, there are different types of Bible study. Amen? So it's not all the Bibles, all the types you can have. Some of them you may have to um, do it at another time. For instance, I have my quiet time. But I have Bible study on Wednesdays. These days it has become more random. But I used to have it almost every Wednesday. But nowadays it's not a fixed day. I can have it Saturday, Thursday. But that is when you spend about... 30 to an hour for your time and your age and all that. Just studying the Bible once a week. But quiet time is something to keep you on the go every time. Now when you come with your good attitude, the next thing is that you pray to begin your quiet time. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So you begin by entering the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving and with praise. That's why when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. It's later. Amen. But many of us, as soon as we come, we say, I need bread. I need abolo. I need kakro. Oh God. But first of all, you enter his courts with thanksgiving and with praise. Praise him for who he is. Worship him for what he's done. Worship Him for who He is. Worship Him for His faithfulness. Worship Him for how He has kept you. Worship Him for your parents. Worship Him for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Worship Him that He's sovereign and He knows what He's about. That's the first step when you come into your closet. You are entering into His gates with thanksgiving and His cords with praise. Then you pray before you read your Bible. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy holy law. Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. So that I will not read with the eye of literature. I will not read with the eye of history. I will not read with the eye of French. But I will read with the eye of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. That I may behold wondrous things out of thy holy law. Then you read a passage from the Bible. Expecting God to speak to you. Now Lady Reverend, how do we choose our daily Bible reading? You can choose from a book of the Bible. When I became born again, I was told that one of the good books to start with is the book of John. Because the book of John records all that Jesus did and all that and you you see so many aspects of him. So I was told to Start with the book of John. But having read the book of Ephesians, the book of Acts, it has changed my life. And the same can be done to you. In the Old Testament, sometimes I've read the book of Genesis. 
Even when I was young, I felt that the genealogies didn't matter to me. But as I've grown older, the genealogies make sense to me. As I read the genealogy of Jesus, I came across it. I said, and Solomon, Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, who was Uriah's wife. Oh, but Bathsheba had married David. But in the sight of God, she was still Uriah's wife. So even in the genealogy, you learn something new. Amen. It means that marriage is forever in God's sight. Sometimes you can choose a personality from the Bible. I've studied personalities like Esther, personalities like Joseph, personalities like Rachel, personalities like Leah, and it has changed my life. And then sometimes you can have a guide. When I first became a Christian, we had daily guide, daily bread. Amen? And now... Sometimes I've used my husband's um, um, daily devotionals, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. He has books like that that help you to read a short passage every day to enhance your walk with God. So that also is allowed. Then read the passage slowly. Read the passage slowly. Do not read a very long passage unless it is necessary. Don't read a long passage that by the time you get to the end, you don't know what you were reading. But just take a passage that is short. Sometimes it can even be one verse, but it's meaningful to you. Take that verse and read it slowly. And as you read it slowly, meditate on it. Meditate on it. Amen. Stop at any verse that strikes you and think about it. That's meditation. God's word is so powerful that only a single word in a verse is enough to change your life. Each quiet time should be a search for that single word that can change your life. Then think about the meanings of the words that you are reading. Think about the meanings of the words that you are reading. Think about the meanings of the words that you are reading. Then think about how the scripture applies to life in general. How does the scripture apply to life in general? And then whisper to the Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, to understand your word. Ask God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.